What is up, divers? Welcome in to the Deep Dive Fantasy Football Podcast, where I take a deep analytical look at fantasy football and combine it with a common sense approach to lead us to some titles. I'm your host, Brandon Gabor, and before we get started, remember you can follow me on Twitter at Deep Dive FF, Instagram at Deep Dive Fantasy Football, and as always, check out the website, deepdivefantasyfootball.com, which is always popping during the offseason. With that being said, let's get to the content. What's up, divers? Welcome in to another episode of Deep Dive Fantasy Football. And today, we're projecting quite a beast of an animal that can go in the water, in the trees, as well as on land. It's the Cincinnati Bengals. Alright guys, what's up? Welcome in. Had to be a little obnoxious to start the podcast. Cincinnati Bengals, they are a... Very debated team in terms of the receiving core, and actually, they're running back as well. So I'm very excited to get into this team. Let's talk about them. What has happened in the offseason? How have the Bengals changed? Let's look at the personnel changes. They have lost a bunch of minuscule players, a few good ones, but they've also added a bunch of players that basically keeps their team, in my eyes, no better or worse than last year in terms of, before we get into the draft that they had, their free agency moves. Examples, you may ask? Well, they lost Carl Lawson, their best edge rusher, but then they signed Trey Hendrickson, a really good edge rusher, from New Orleans. So that's kind of an even swap there. They lost William Jackson, a cornerback that I really like, to the Rams, or I'm sorry, excuse me, to the Washington football team. But then they signed two, mm, meh, quarterback, cornerbacks. So it kind of offsets it. Not completely. If anything, that would be a slight loss, but you get the gist. You get what I'm saying. Most of their losses ended up getting filled in some way or another, so I don't see any huge changes from free agency. Now, they did sign Riley Reef. A lot of people are looking at that. He's a right tackle as, okay, boom, there we go. Offensive line upgrade. Help Joe Burrow out. Okay, let's relax. Not a huge upgrade. Their offensive line was horrible, so yes, it is going to help them at least a little bit, but I don't expect big things from Riley Reef, uh, don't expect a huge impact there. Now, the biggest impact would be Jonah Williams. He should, and I'm putting should in air quotes, he should be healthy, but this is back-to-back seasons of him not being healthy for this team, and it's getting kind of scary. Hopefully, he's healthy because that would be the biggest positive impact to this offensive line, which is definitely what Joe Burrow needs is some offensive line help. Now, there was one other addition to the offensive line, and that was a guard, Jackson Carmen from Clemson, that they drafted in the second round. I actually do not know that much about this guy. I was very plugged into this offensive line class, and he was one of the few guys that I did not know much about, and I was surprised when they took him. So I can't really give my two cents on you know, how much he's going to help or hurt. Not hurt, but how much he's going to help their offensive line. Maybe it'll help a little bit. He was taken in the second round. That's usually a nice spot for offensive linemen. So hopefully he turns out being good. But they did not make significant changes to their offensive line as they should have. They should have had the offseason that the Chargers had. The Chargers knew what they were doing. And they decided to protect their rookie quarterback in Justin Herbert. They had at least three big signings. Big name signings or drafts, uh, draftees. 
in terms of the offensive line. I loved what they did, but I don't want to get too much into the Chargers because obviously we will be projecting them another day. But that was the approach that I was expecting and hoping for with Cincinnati. They did not take it. And to make matters worse, they passed up on Panay Sewell at five, which I think bad decisions are made by bad organizations. That what is what that was. But nevertheless, they did draft Jamar Chase, which is now going to affect a lot of things for fantasy purposes, which is what we're here to talk about today. So with the offensive line talk out the way, the defense, like I said, is probably about the same Maybe a tiny bit worse, we'll see, because Trey Hendrickson, whether you think he's better or not than Carl Lawson, he has not been in Cincy yet, so there could be a little bit of a learning curve that makes this year's impact less than if they just kept Carl Lawson, and then losing William Jackson, that was probably one of their best defenders on defense, so that's going to hurt a little bit. With that said, let's look at the personnel changes in terms of the coaching department, There was no inspiring coaching changes. They promoted guys within. They grabbed some position coaches from college. Nothing crazy to look at there. Now let's talk about some historical things from last year that I think is important for us to keep in mind as we get into our projections. The Bengals last year with Joe Burrow in his 10 games, Joe Burrow was passing just over 40 passes a game. He paced for 646 passes last year. So you round that up to 650 if you're running by 10s. 650 passes last year is what Joe Burrow was paced for. Keep that in mind, all right? They ran, the Bengals ran the ball during that time 25.6 times per game. So despite the fact that they were throwing more than pretty much anybody in the league, they were still running the ball 25 and a half times per game during that stretch. Now the defense is still bad. Like I said, maybe, maybe worse than last year. So expect a lot of passing this year, and that is going to be a good thing for the receivers as we get into them. But let's start with Joe Burrow. He had a huge injury, right? It probably reduces his running. It definitely, I'll say, actually. It definitely reduces his running ability from around 200, 250 rushing yards a season to probably like 100 rushing yards a season. So you're losing about one point per game there in terms of fantasy production, and it's also less likely that he's going to run in touchdowns. We kind of saw this with Carson Wentz. Once Carson Wentz had his ACL tear, and yes, I know Joe Burrows was even to a worse extent, but what we saw with Carson Wentz was after he screwed up his knee and hit his leg, he started running less, and he lost some of that floor and some of that ceiling from his scrambling, especially in the red zone and hopping in for a touchdown. So I think we're going to see a similar effect to Burrow. So he's going to have to rely more on his passing skills for fantasy purposes, as well as just being a good NFL quarterback. Now, he wasn't a great rusher, so really not losing much there. He does have better receiving weapons, so he's probably less likely to run in the first place. So we have the injury and better receiving weapons, both contributing to a decrease in rushing. All right, that's the first thing to look at. Then we're going to look at his pass volume. His pass volume is going to be top five in the league. You could pretty much lock that in. And it's because of that going to make him one of the leaders in passing. He'll probably be top five in yardage. Touchdowns, probably not, not yet, because he doesn't have the protection that he needs and he's going to not have the efficiency that he would need, even though passing as much as he does you you won't need crazy efficiency to be top five in touchdowns it's not good enough yet it's not good enough of a situation so I don't think he's going to be crazy on the touchdown count but passing yardage all about it he will also get better in terms of efficiency because 
minor offensive line boost as we talked about with hopefully Jonah Williams being healthy Jackson Carmen as their second round offensive lineman maybe he makes an impact and Riley Reef slightly helps so his efficiency should jump because of that and because of Jamar Chase being way better than AJ Green who received more than a hundred targets last year I am pretty sure I did not check this, but I am pretty confident in saying, as I told you guys, I've been doing projections for four years, so I look at a lot of people's numbers. I know what efficiency looks like and what inefficiency looks like. I'm pretty sure A.J. Green was the worst wide receiver in the entire NFL last year in terms of efficiency. Like, if you take wide receivers over 20 targets, I know for a fact he was the least efficient of receivers over 100 targets, but... I would venture to say he was probably the worst one out of any significant receiver. That's why I said like 20, 25 targets. So Jamar Chase is going to be way better than that. So that's also going to help in terms of Joe Burrow's efficiency. So with all that said, he's probably going to have some minimal boosts in completion percentage, touchdown percentage, yards per completion because of what we talked about and the fact that he was a rookie last year. He's going into his second year. Yes, he got hurt, but his mental his mental state was not hurt. And he was still able to learn more about the offense and kind of get a better grasp of the scheme and all of these things. So all of that stuff should help him also just naturally improve, even if there were no other things around him to help him improve. So all of those things, I think Joe Burrow will have a little bit better of a passing profile. And the last thing is the injury. Am I worried about it? A lot of people seem to be worried about the Joe Burrow injury. I am not personally. Why? Because of the type of passer that Joe Burrow is. Joe Burrow relies on touch and anticipation. He does not rely on athleticism and drive. He is not somebody that's firing 60 mile per hour, 70 mile per hour balls through tight windows and needs that drive from his legs and that strength from his shoulders and the abs twist of the hips to drive that ball. He is not that kind of guy. He anticipates where the player is going to go and he puts the touch he needs to get it there at that time. He's not somebody that does a lot of cross body throws or you know sidearm passes or anything like that. He is just your I'm going to pass the right way and I'm going to use my intelligence to make sure I'm making the right decision during those passes. So I don't really think that having a lower extremity injury is really going to hurt Joe Burrow. Now let's get to Joe Mixon, the other Joe on the team. This is somebody hotly debated. So many people have been burned by Joe Mixon. They are completely out. Let me tell you this. Do not be the person that refuses to draft somebody because they've burned you in the past. Because guess what? When everybody feels that way about the same person, that person becomes a value. And that is what it seems to me that Joe Mixon is. And we're going to talk about how I've compared some of these players to the other team that I've projected so far, the Ravens. We'll get to that at the end. But Joe Mixon, guys, in games that he dominated, and girls, because I know there's a couple listening via the stats um, that, that I look at. Anyways, in games that Joe Mixon played, he dominated the rushing attack. 19.8 rushes per game. That's Joe Mixon, remember, what did I say? I said during that Joe Burrow stretch, they averaged 25 and a half rushes per game. Joe Mixon averages, or averaged last year, 19.8. That is almost an 80% market share in terms of rushes. That is among the best in the league. And guess what? Despite the fact that he was dealing with injury, and he's kind of been nicked up for the past few years, 
They made no substantial moves to lessen his workload. They didn't bring in a big-name guy. They didn't draft somebody high. So, Joe Mixon probably stands to get a huge workload again. His efficiency probably won't get crazy good. Probably won't get much better. But, he's probably going to improve a couple tenths of a yard per carry because Jamar Chase is now on the outside and it's another weapon for them to focus on. Plus, if that offensive line gets better at all which it's hard to be as bad as it was last year. So you've got those things working in Joe Mixon's direction as well. Now, last year was his worst year. He was banged up while playing most of the year, though, and he had a rookie quarterback, so teams were not worried so much about the passing game. And I think that's part of the reason that Joe Mixon had such a bad year last year in terms of efficiency, below four yards per carry, when he was has been better than that multiple seasons. He's probably going to get less carries this year because he always gets banged up. I'm dropping him to 18 a game. Remember, last year, 19.8, so 20 per game. I'm dropping him to about 18 this year. Running backs in terms of the passing game, let's talk about that for the Cincinnati Bengals. They got 17.5% of the targets in the offense. Now, that's, you know, run-of-the-mill NFL offense. It's about average. But with Giovanni Bernard gone and a better wide receiver added, that number's probably going to reduce a bit. So I'm taking that 17.5% target share to running backs from last year, and I'm dropping it to 15%. It's feasible that of that 15%, with Giovanni Bernard gone, who got over 50 targets last year, that Joe Mixon gets 8 to 10% of that, of, of the team's targets. Now, his career average in efficiency, 4.1 yards per carry, that's 0.6 higher than last year. And it's the same mark as he produced in 2019. So I'm comfortable with projecting 4.1, right? Because I said he's probably going to get a little bit better than last year. Last year he was banged up. Hopefully he's healthier this year. There's more weapons. Hopefully a better offensive line. He could get back to at least his career average. So I'm comfortable projecting that for Joe Mixon. Now let's talk about Tyler Boyd, T. Higgins, Jamar Chase. And then, of course, I will give you my actual statistical projections for everyone. But these wide receivers are key. This is the key of the podcast. Well, you can make an argument about Joe Mixon as well because I feel like a lot of people are sleeping on him. But the key of the podcast is the wide receivers. Everyone freaked out when Jamar Chase was drafted. They were happy, and a lot of people projected it that way, and I projected it to be that way as well. But a lot of people are like, oh, man, T. Higgins, Tyler Boyd, huge hits. No, no. No, not so fast, guys, not so fast. All right, and I will get into exactly why now. Tyler Boyd plays in the slot. His spot is secure in the slot. He had the second most plays from the slot among all wide receivers last year, and I think number one was Adam Thielen. So Tyler Boyd, safe, right? Jamar Chase is not going to hurt him. He had a, Tyler Boyd had a 21.9% target share last year, and after week two, So week three to week 10 with Joe Burrow, it was 23%. Because what I noticed, and I was all over Boyd. I'm known as the Boyd man on Twitter. I had him projected as my wide receiver eight in my statistical projections last year. And I think from week one to 10, so just during Joe Burrow's stretch, he was wide receiver like 12 or 13. So I was the absolute most accurate on him. But you want to know what's crazier? From week three to week 10 with Joe Burrow, after Joe Burrow figured out that, hey, Tyler Boyd's my most reliable guy, 
he was wide receiver eight, exactly as I projected. And he was almost on pace for exactly what I projected, statistics speaking. So I feel like I have a good beat on the, the Bengals passing offense and Tyler Boyd. So because this was one of my most accurate teams last year. Tyler Boyd is safe, and he's going to get over 20% of the targets. He was the go-to guy for Joe Burrow on third or fourth downs. You saw this develop throughout the season. First week, second week, Tyler Boyd had six, seven targets about. And all of a sudden, in that Browns game on prime time, not prime time like Sunday night, I think it was a Thursday, but during that Browns game, Every single third down, it seemed like he was throwing to Tyler Boyd. And I said, here we go. It's starting. It's starting. Joe Burrow is realizing who he needs to throw the ball to. It has begun. And every time there was a third down or a fourth down, the crucial downs, Tyler Boyd was the man. And from then on out, he was the number one target for Joe Burrow, despite having A.J. Green, somebody that Joe Burrow probably looked up to growing up as a kid and could not wait to throw the ball to. Who did he throw the ball to more? Tyler Boyd. T. Higgins, a guy that was the number one receiver for Joe Burrow's basically like arch rival in college, just in terms of like how they were both touted in Trevor Lawrence. He just got him and who did he throw the ball to more? Tyler Boyd. So why is that going to change now? Why is that going to change? And even, even if you think it's going to change, it's not going to change by a lot. So Tyler Boyd is safe. Trust me. Plus, with Jamar Chase instead of A.J. Green, it's going to be very easy for Tyler Boyd to be efficient with Jamar Chase and T. Higgins on the outside. That's a lot for defenses to have to plan for, and Tyler Boyd cannot be a main focus. T. Higgins, let's get into him. Him and Chase will be very interesting to see how it plays out on the outside because we're kind of seeing something that we haven't, at least to my memory, have not seen before, right? Because Jamar Chase is a rookie coming in. T. Higgins has a year under his belt with Joe Burrow, and I think T. Higgins and Jamar Chase are not that crazy far off as prospects. Jamar Chase is definitely a better prospect coming out of college, but in the if you look at the ways they're probably going to win in the NFL, they're not that crazy different, right? So you you would think, generally, that T. Higgins has the advantage to be the number one target over, or not number one target, but the more targeted player between him and Jamar Chase. You would think, but Jamar Chase has pre-established chemistry with Joe Burrow. So basically, Higgins and Chase are in the same boat. So there's no advantage of Higgins having already played in the Bengals system with Joe Burrow because Joe Burrow knows Jamar Chase. Now, there is a possible advantage here, and it's the fact that Jamar Chase has not played against NFL corners yet. So possibly... Higgins out-targets him, and that's how I'm going to project it by a slight margin. All right, A.J. Green and T. Higgins both had, last year, about 20% target shares, and that was on top of Tyler Boyd having 23%. That means all three receivers last year had just about or above a 20% target share. We can easily project that to be the case this year, and there's even more reasons why, despite the fact, or aside from the point that Jamar Chase is better than A.J. Green. And now he's obviously gone. The depth wide receivers are gone. John Ross, Alex Erickson, both of those guys are gone. Giovanni Bernard is gone. All three of those people combine for like 80, 85-ish targets that are all gone in the offense. And that's like not counting A.J. Green, who had over 100 targets. So you give all of A.J. Green's targets to Jamar Chase, that's easy. Anybody can make that assumption. 
Then you got to distribute these targets from the depth receivers. Most of them are going to go to their whoever their depth receivers are now. But a good portion of that is also going to go to the studs because all of a sudden when their depth gets worse, what are they going to do? They're going to over-target their studs. That's what you see a lot of times. When you have a Mike Evans back in the day on the Bucks getting 160 targets, why? Not just because he's a stud wide receiver, because there, there was no depth at wide receiver. All of a sudden, once Chris Godwin joined the show, was Mike Evans getting 160 targets? No, he wasn't because, guess what? The depth had improved. And then you could even continue that by saying, oh, now they got Scotty Miller and Antonio Brown. The depth improved more. The studs are not hyper-targeted anymore. Well, that's the exact opposite of what's going to happen in Cincinnati because they lost their depth. So that's another reason to like these receivers. All three of them, with a 17-game season, don't forget, all three of them can get 130 targets minimum because what is 130 targets? If you project Joe Burrow to pass a little bit less often per game than last year, and you take 20% of that, that's 130 targets. Boom. Easy money. Easy money. Where else would the targets go other than the receivers? They don't have a stud tight end. Drew Sample is not some beast. They, for some reason, don't throw to the running back that much, and the running back that they threw to the most is gone. And then they just invested the fifth overall pick in the wide receiver group and when they already had two good ones, instead of protecting Joe Burrow, every move that they have made says the wide receiver trio is going to be this entire team's offense. And that's how I'm treating it, pretty much. Because, I mean, there's nowhere else to throw the ball. Everyone is way too low on these Bengals receivers. Jamar Chase, like I said, he could break 130 targets because all three of the receivers could do so. You might be saying, okay, Brandon, we get that there's pre-established chemistry between Jamar Chase and Joe Burrow. But Jamar Chase is not going to have a huge target share as a rookie. I mean, what are you even projecting him for? Well, I'm projecting Jamar Chase for a 21.5% target share. That's really high for a rookie wide receiver. But I think the pre-established chemistry does play a factor. And then listen to this. Justin Jefferson had a 24% target share as a rookie last year. Kirk Cousins was never his quarterback in college. Why can't Jamar Chase have 21.5%? That's significantly lower than 24, and he knows the quarterback he's catching balls from. A.J. Green was just over 20%, so why can't Jamar Chase be there? Now, I think I kind of hopefully won you over in that way. Let's agree that Jamar Chase can get 21.5% of the Bengals' targets. You know how many targets that would have been last year in a 16-game season? 138. So is it crazy to think that Jamar Chase, a rookie wide receiver, can break 130 targets? I do not think so. Because now we have 17 games. And last season, in a 16 games, in a 16 game season, he would have broke 130. So my projection of Jamar Chase having 143 targets now seems reasonable. And boom, here we go. I started it off with that stat right there. But we're about to get into my projections. Just real quick, the other category for the Bengals. Auden Tate. Drew Sample, and a bunch of nobodies after that. And that's why 68% of the targets, or somewhere around there, could easily go to the three wide receivers. And if that happens, all of them will be studs. Now let's talk about it. The final projections of the 2021 Bengals, starting with Joe Burrow. I project, remember last year, 16 games, a 16-game pace of his 10 games played, he would have thrown the ball 646 times with one extra game this season. 
I project 663 pass attempts, 438 completions, 4,682 passing yards, 26 pass touchdowns, and a pretty much cutting his rushing yardage in half from about 250 is what it would have been last year to 120, and then knocking a touchdown or two off in the rush category, putting him down at three. Now let's talk about T. Higgins. Actually, let's go in order. Tyler Boyd, I think he's going to be the most targeted wide receiver as he was for Joe Burrow last year, and he's in the slot, so he's not competing with anybody for those targets. 159 targets. That's almost 10 a game. He was averaging just about eight or just over eight a game last year. And sorry, that would be 10 a game on a 16 game season, obviously 17 games. So that's harder math to do in my head. I'm not going to do it. But Tyler Boyd, 159 targets, 123 completions. He's a very efficient receiver because he stays close, close to the line of scrimmage. And because of that, despite having 123 catches in my projection, he's only pumping out 1,299, so basically 1,300 receiving yards. He's just above 10 per clip, which is around what he was at last year. Now, and I I had a slight increase, remember, because hopefully a bump in efficiency from a minor O-line change, giving giving Joe Burrow more time, and Jamar Chase contributing to less pressure on Tyler Boyd. And I have him for seven touchdowns. Not outrageous at all. Now let's look at T. Higgins. 152 targets. 85 receptions because he's a much deeper guy, less efficient than Tyler Boyd. T. Higgins, 85 receptions, 1,196 yards, 8 touchdowns. He should be the touchdown leader. Then Jamar Chase at 143 targets, like I told you guys, 87 receptions, a little bit closer in terms of efficiency than T. Higgins. Why? I think T. Higgins is going to become, out of the three, the one that they use vertically most often. And the farther your route is down the field, the lower your catch rate gets. So that's why I think Jamar Chase is going to be a little bit more efficient in terms of catch rate than T. Higgins. I think he's going to work the middle of the field more often, the sidelines on the out routes, that 10 to 15 margin range, and that 15 to 20 maybe a little bit more than T. Higgins. And Jamar Chase is more profiles more as a possession guy than T. Higgins does. So Jamar Chase, 87 receptions off the 143 targets, 1,052 yards, and 7 touchdowns. So I have all three of these receivers above 80 receptions, all of them above 1,000 yards, and all of them at 7 touchdowns, with the exception of T. Higgins being at 8. Now, Joe Mixon, final projection, what is it? 53 targets, 42 receptions, 318 receiving yards, 2 touchdowns. Then in the rushing category, 306 carries. Remember, I put him at 18 a game, down from 19.8 last year. For 1,255 rushing yards, 8 rushing touchdowns. So that's 10 10 total touchdowns for Joe Mixon, just under 1,600 yards, so about 90-ish yards per game total. And the points are Joe Burrow at 18.9 points per game. Remember, I had Lamar Jackson at just about 24, but he's probably going to be my QB1. Joe Mixon at 15.3 exactly in line with J.K. Dobbins. Actually, for total points, J.K. Dobbins has one point more, but I would draft J.K. Dobbins over Joe Mixon because J.K. Dobbins has not dealt with injury, so I think it's less like his risk is lower. And they have a similar ceiling because although Joe Mixon does have the potential to be a high-receiving touchback and he gets a bigger bulk of his touches he does not have a chance to be highly efficient. I don't think so because of the way that that offensive line has been built. 
Yes, it can get better, but that still doesn't mean it's going to be good enough to help Joe Mixon be a very efficient running back. Then we've got T. Higgins, Tyler Boyd, and Jamar Chase. Tyler Boyd I have at 17.3 points per game. He averaged 15.8 last year with Joe Burrow, so a slight uptick. T. Higgins at 14.9 points per game, and Jamar Chase at 13.8 points per game. I can already tell you right now, based off history and how I've projected things historically, T. Higgins and Jamar Chase at those projections would be inside the top 36 receivers for me when it's all said and done. Probably, well, T. Higgins at 14.9 is going to be inside the top 24. And then Jamar Chase at 13.8 is probably going to be like 25-26. Tyler Boyd at 17.3. I will not be surprised if he is inside my top 15 wide receivers and projections, as it should be, because that's what he was with Joe Burrow last year. So why can't he do it again? There's no reason not to. With that said, guys, thank you for listening in. I think this was a well-timed podcast, just about to hit the 30-minute mark. I know this is very different than pretty much probably anything you hear on other podcasts. I try to be unique. I try to give you guys, you know, my process, my mindset, because anyone can say, I would draft this player over this player because of yada, yada, yada. But then when you hit them with like a, a process like this, it's very easy to change their mind. And now you have that info in the back of, or in your sleeve, up your sleeve, right? In the back of your mind, ready to pull out. So, um, yeah, thank you guys for listening in. <laughs> I, try to, I try to be unique. Oh, what I was getting to was uh, because I give this type of content very different, please leave me a review if you can. Leave me a review. It helps me immensely. Thank you guys. As always, much love. Dive deep. Peace. Thank you.